President Biden is stumbling downstairs and crowding migrant children into cages, but his approval ratings are golden. The establishment media turn over the keys to Ibram X. Kendi, and another woke culture warrior has a guilty past. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's time to stand up to big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com. We'll get to all the news in just one moment and plenty of news there is. But we begin with the fact that the, the currency is about to be inflated. I mean, let's just be real about this. The way the government is spending is not sustainable, and that means you need to diversify away from things like bonds and into something a little bit more solid. I, of course, am talking about precious metals. I've been telling you about Birch Gold Group for the past five years. I buy my gold from Birch Gold, and so do you. I'm really excited because Birch Gold has just passed a major milestone, 10,000 customers. That is 10,000 people who have a plan against radical leftist policies driving up our national debt, devaluing the dollar. If you've been waiting to call Birch Gold to convert an IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by gold and silver, now would be an excellent time. Through April 30th on qualifying purchases, when you purchase precious metals with Birch Gold, they'll send you a free home safe. They've given away books, silver. This is their biggest giveaway ever. So here's the thing. Larry Summers, former Secretary of the Treasury under Bill Clinton, he says, we are now watching the worst fiscal policy in four decades. Do not be a victim of that fiscal policy. Instead, diversify into precious metals. Text Ben to 474747 for your free information kit on precious metals IRAs or to speak with a Birch Gold representative today. With 10,000 customers, they've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews. They can help you as well. Text Ben to 474747 for your free safe with purchase today. All righty. So just before the weekend, Joe Biden had an unfortunate run-in with some stairs. And this video was basically blacked out on all of American national TV. International TV covered it. But Joe Biden, who's 78 years old, let it not be forgotten here. The man is 78 years old. He's obviously in somewhat frail health. Every time he speaks for longer than about a couple of sentences, you feel your guts start to churn. I mean, it, it's to the point where you can't even really mock. Like, what, it, you feel bad mocking because the guy is 78 years old. And honestly, like, a lot of 78-year-old people have trouble going upstairs the way that Joe Biden obviously has some trouble going up these stairs. So you can see here, Joe Biden climbing up the stairs of Air Force One. There's a little bit of a breeze, but this is not like hurricane gales here. Just once, twice, and down. Down goes Frazier. So picks himself up, kind of limps his way back up to the top. So the White House naturally blamed the wind for this. This was not the wind. This was Joe Biden slipping. Now, listen, do I think slipping on the stairs is the world's biggest deal? I don't think it's the biggest deal, but I will point out that Joe Biden has prided himself on his peak physical condition for well over a couple of years now. He's been challenging people in the crowd to fight. He challenged President Trump to like a push-up contest or something. And you'll remember that when Donald Trump went down a ramp slowly, when he took little steps to go down a ramp, and there was mockery about how he was afraid of stairs, Joe Biden jumped right in on that. So I guess that if you're going to be a jerk like Joe Biden was, then apparently, you know, what goes around comes around. Look at how he steps and look how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and he stumbles down ramps. Okay, come on. Come on. Okay, well, um, you fell down on the stairs three times in one flight of stairs. So there's that. Remember, folks, that the entire comedic establishment has decided there is nothing funny here. You're not allowed to make fun of Joe Biden. There's nothing not even, it's not even you're not allowed. There's nothing funny about him. He's just so serious and so clear and so with it. You can't make fun of, of the president of the United States. It's impossible, according to our comedians. The same people who said that Gerald Ford, a former All-American football player, was a klutz and a bozo because he fell down stairs, right? That literally they made fun of him for like several years on SNL because of that. You remember that Bob Dole was considered a kooky older klutz because he fell off a stage. Bob Dole was 73. Joe Biden is 78. So it just demonstrates the kind of double standard that uh, Joe Biden is being treated to. And of course, it is that double standard that is responsible for the fact that his approval ratings are extremely high right now. Joe Biden's approval ratings are, are by pretty much every measure, significantly higher than President Trump's, even than President Obama's at this point in his presidency, I believe. According to Gallup, President Biden has averaged 56% job approval across three Gallup polls since taking office, including 54% in the latest survey from March 1st to 15th. There's a yawning party gap. Pretty much all Democrats approve and pretty much all Republicans disapprove, which is not a shock. That's the way this stuff works now. But his job ratings differ significantly by gender, education, race, and place of residence. And that is because Joe Biden speaks the vocabulary. Hey, so let it never be forgotten. As long as you speak the vocabulary, you can be as garbage at your job as it is possible to be. And you will still be treated 
as though you are a wondrous, wondrous politician because you say the right things. And you can see this in the way that the the demographic breakdowns go in terms of who really likes Joe Biden. So women really like Joe Biden. He's got a 62% approval rating with women, 62 to 34. Men, he's only up 49, 45, which seems a lot more accurate to me. Maybe that's because I'm a man. Among white Americans, he actually has a disapproval rating, 45 to 52. Among black Americans, 89 to 8, which is, again, pretty reflective of party differences. Among Hispanics, 73 to 17. If you look at college graduate versus non-college graduate, because Joe Biden speaks the equity language, which is what you are indoctrinated with in college. Remember, colleges these days are not about providing you a skill set so you can actually enter the marketplace. Colleges provide two things. They are a feeder mechanism. They, they sort. They're a sorting mechanism. So they allow you to see whether someone is quote-unquote smart or not by what college they went to. So it's about, all about credentialing. And on the other hand, they allow you to speak in the language that the upper crust new ruling class speak in America. And so college graduates look at Joe Biden. He speaks that language Trump didn't. And therefore, he's at 64% in the approval ratings versus only 51% for people who are not college graduates. He has heavy support among the young. 66% of people aged 18 to 29 support Joe Biden compared to only 51% of people over the age of 65. So there are these huge gaps in approval rating for Joe Biden. Utterly disconnected from his performance, by the way, because his performance so far has been pretty abysmal. In fact, his performance has been so abysmal that he has now been relegated to telling George Stephanopoulos, the sycophantic quasi-reporter for ABC News, that you know what, you know, I know you're asking a bunch of tough questions about why I'm not working with Republicans and why I'm just sort of ramming things through by executive order and also why I have this crisis on the board. But hey, listen, man, I've only been here for six weeks, which is a really disingenuous excuse from Joe Biden because he was vice president for eight years before the last four years. So he has now been in power nine of the last 13 years. Here is, here is Joe Biden. I'm not saying this is going to be easy, George, but I do believe there's enough Republicans over time who are going to have, look, you're, you're, they haven't had that epiphany you said you were going to see in the campaign. No, no, well, I've only been here six weeks, pal. Okay, give me a break. <laughs> been here six weeks. I think the epiphany is going to come in 20, between now and 2022. Now, don't worry, guys. He's only been there for six weeks. I mean, if this is the first six weeks, wait to see what you get over the next couple of years. It's going to get really, really bad over the next couple of years, especially because the Democrats are talking about doing away with the filibuster, which is basically the only check on Democrats adding states to the union, completely federalizing all elections and therefore screwing up all of the voting procedures. So we have less trust in our elections, ramming down radical rethinking of the American way of life with regard to government, cracking down on religious freedom. If this is the first six weeks, gang, wait to see what you get over the couple the next few years. And everybody is happy about this in the media, right? Everything is fine because never, never forget every, everything is fine on the border, even though everything is disastrous on the border. Right now, kids are basically being held in plastic boxes. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at a picture right now of kids crowded together under aluminum blankets. Axios has revealed these photos. Um, doesn't look good, gang. Kids are basically sleeping on plastic mattresses uh, under aluminum sheets in what appeared to be saran wrap boxes. Dr. Representative Henry Cuellar of Texas has somehow gotten in there to take some of these pictures. But everything is fine. Everything is cool. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that now is not a great time to go to an auto parts store because never is a great time to go to an auto parts store. You wait in line for a really long time, then you finally get up to the front, and then you have to answer a bunch of specific questions, and then they either have a generic part or they don't have the part at all, and they have to order it online, then they upcharge you for the privilege. Instead, why don't you just skip the middleman and do what you do with everything else? Go to the interwebs, rockauto.com. They always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Like say you happen to need, it's just off the top of my head, a Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. That'll cost you like 354 bucks at a big chain store. At Rock Auto, that's $217. You can save yourself a ton of money. RockAuto.com, it's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to RockAuto.com shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? The rockauto.com catalog, very easy to navigate, unique. Quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose the brand specifications and prices. You prefer to go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. That helps us. That helps them. Rockauto.com. Remember, mention Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? Okay, so according to the Washington Post, 
A bipartisan pair of senators called for more press access to government facilities holding the rising number of unaccompanied migrant children arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border as they described overcrowded conditions for minors who are being held days longer than legally allowed. Remember when it was Donald Trump, it's because he was Hitler. When it's Joe Biden, it's just because he's so compassionate. Same exact thing, except way more kids arriving at the border and being held in cages than any time under President Trump. And that's just because Joe Biden has such a big heart. This is the beauty of speaking the vocabulary. If you say equity over and over, if you say, yes, we love illegal immigrants over and over and over, it doesn't matter if you're keeping kids in cages. All that matters for Democrats is what you say, not what you do. And then later, they can ram down a bunch of radical policy on the back of what you say, of course. More than 200 border agents have now been diverted to a CBP facility to care for children. This is in El Paso. The children who arrived at the southern border without a parent are legally allowed to be held for only 72 hours in CBP custody before being transferred elsewhere, but many are there for days longer than that. According to Senator Shelley Moore Capito, Republican of West Virginia, she says, I'm very alarmed about the numbers and extremely concerned about the overstay in the facility. They'll move 50 out a night and have another 100 come in that night. Senator Chris Murphy, of course, said these kids are not kids in so-called cages. But he said, they're not facilities anyone would want your child in for more than 10 minutes. Oh, so but, mm, weird because they look exactly like kids in cages because those are the exact same facilities Trump was using. But I'm noticing that now they're just changing the language a little bit to pretend that what's happening is not actually happening. Nancy Pelosi, meanwhile, from her uh, from her perch where she has a series of color coordinated masks, which is interesting. She, number one, she doesn't need a mask. She's vaccinated. But it, uh, I will note that every single time she gets up behind the podium. She has a mask that is color coordinated to her outfit, which is really a nice stylistic choice. You know, when she's not eating her $20 a, uh, a quart gelato, she's definitely got the color coordinated mask on with the, the pearls the size of your hand. Don't worry, she's one of the people, guys. She says that Joe Biden has this under control. The Biden administration has this under control. It will take, it is change and it'll take some time but it is values-based, humanitarian in its aspects, pragmatic in how to, with a plan to get things done, and um, uh, not just a diversionary tactic on the part of the Republicans because they are bankrupt of ideas on how to improve the lives of the American people. Okay, I mean, nothing there, nothing there. We have a plan. So what's the plan? Our plan is to say Republicans over and over. See, here's the thing. They don't have a bogeyman anymore. Trump is gone. So this means they have to find another bogeyman. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. At a certain point, you have control of all of the aspects of American government. You are now responsible. You spent years claiming that Donald Trump was evil for keeping kids in cages. You've got a multiple of the number of kids in cages now that you did when Donald Trump left office. So explain yourself. Provide a plan. But there ain't no plan. According to the Washington Post, shortly before Christmas last year, Susan Rice and Jake Sullivan, the two top advisors to President-elect Joe Biden, sat for an interview with EFE, a Spanish wire service to issue a stark warning to migrants considering joining, journeying north to the nation's southern border. Don't come now, but help is on the way. The next day, Biden was similarly pointed, saying his administration, while eager to roll back Donald Trump's immigration policies, first needed to implement guardrails to avoid winding up with two million people on our border. Less than a month later, the new president began tearing down some of the guardrails himself. He issued five immigration executive orders on Inauguration Day alone, promised an immigration policy far more humane and welcoming than that of his predecessor. His administration also began allowing unaccompanied minors into the country, a marked departure from the Trump administration's approach. Now, the Biden administration is scrambling to control the biggest surge in 20 years, 20 years, with the nation on pace for as many as two million migrants at the southern border this year, the outcome Biden said he wanted to avoid. The situation at the border, which Biden and his advisors steadfastly refused to call a crisis, is the result of an administration that was forewarned of the coming surge, yet still ill-prepared and lacking the capacity to deal with it. Administration officials have been plagued by muddled messaging, sometimes making appeals that seem directed at more liberal activists than the migrants they need to dissuade from coming to the country. And there it is. There it is. It's not about helping the American people. It is not even about helping the migrants. It is simply about pleasing the left base because the left base is the media. And if the left base is the media, they will constantly defend no matter what Joe Biden does. The man can fall down flights of stairs. The man can have a massive migrant crisis on the border with two million people slated to arrive this year. And the entire media will continue to massage his ass because all he does is speak the language of the vocabulary. That's all that matters. All that matters is the language that you speak. And you will get soft treatment from everybody on the left side of the aisle. Don't worry. He's a transformative president. Maureen Dowd assures us he is transformative. 
He's a magical, magical man. Why? Because he says all the right things. Never, you don't have to worry about the fact that his fiscal policy makes no sense. You don't have to worry about the fact we're about to experience a migrant crisis on the border. Actually, we're already experiencing that. All the, It doesn't matter that the man is not with us. It does not matter that the man is essentially a houseplant hiding the water stains. All that matters is that Joe Biden says the right things when he's capable of speech coming out of his face. And when he says those things, you are supposed to simply repeat and believe them. That's all. Joe Biden and his administration, by the way, are going around saying that the massive upswell of people arriving at the border has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Weird, because you might want to ask about the illegal immigrants about that. Here's one illegal immigrant talking to Martha Raddatz saying, "Um, yeah, we wouldn't have tried to come when Trump was president. We waited for Biden to be president. Would you have tried to do this when Donald Trump was president? Definitely not. Definitely. We had the chance, you know, the, the same violence that is going on today was there last year. We used to watch the, the news and uh, I definitely won't do this. So did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president? Basically, basically. Uh, the main thing was the violence in my country. And the second thing I think was Joe Biden. Okay, look at Martha Raddatz. Like, oh God, that was not the answer I wanted to this particular question over on ABC News. In an ABC News interview last week, Biden said, no, they're not coming because I'm a nice guy. But that was your entire pitch. You were the empath in chief, right? You were the most empathetic person who would ever occupy. You were the guy who's going to mourn with us and you were going to cry with us and you were going to show the world the heart of America. Yeah, you showed us. You showed everybody. And now everybody's arriving because they think that what you said, they took it seriously. It turns out they took you seriously and literally. Wow. Wow. So the Democrats are now playing the game that Trump played for a while, right? Which is take him seriously, but not literally. And the Democrats always said people take him seriously and literally, which actually wasn't true of Trump. Most people just took him seriously, but not literally because he wasn't considered a quote unquote serious person. But Joe Biden is considered a serious person, which means people are taking him both seriously and literally as well. So who are you going to believe? The illegal immigrant who actually tells Martha Raddatz I came because of Biden or the DHS secretary who says, listen, our messages don't come. No one believes that's their message. He literally said last week, he said last week, if you are a migrant and you arrive, you will not be sent home. If you're a migrant child, you will not be sent home, is what Mayorkas said last week. Here is Alejandro Mayorkas talking to Dana Bash on CNN. We have communicated and we will continue to communicate to the children. Do not come. I was uh, going to mention uh, but a minute, minute ago uh, that we encountered three uh, children under the ages of 10, three siblings uh, whose mother was murdered, murdered during the journey. Mm. Uh, do not come. Give us the time uh, to build an orderly system that will enable you to make your claim under United States law without taking the journey and imperiling your lives. Or they could come now because they don't trust you. And they figure that if they come right now, you will just let them in. Why do you think all these unaccompanied minors are arriving at the border? Why aren't they accompanied? Right? Who sends their kids out there unless they believe that the kids are going to be allowed into the country and then they will be used as an anchor in order for them to bring their parents over, which we all know is what this is really all about. By the way, don't worry, the Biden administration isn't letting in the media either. Mayorka says, you know, what? the media can't come because of COVID. Oh, weird, because if Trump had said this, you know what you guys would have said? You would have said that this is a fascistic tactic directed at limiting the amount of information available to the American public. And yet here you guys are saying that the media can't show up because of COVID. We are in the midst of a pandemic. We are dealing with crowded border patrol facilities. We are focused on our operations and the needs of the children. And at the same time, we are working to provide access uh, to those border patrol facilities when we, we can do so in a safe manner. Bullcrap. And everybody knows it's bullcrap. By the way, Fox News now reporting that a senior source from Customs and Border Protection says a plan is under consideration for border patrol agents in the Rio Grande Valley sector to begin releasing illegal border crossers who claim asylum without even issuing a notice to appear, meaning they disappear, they disappear, they just disappear. They depart custody, no court date. So normally, when you show up and you claim asylum, under our dumb system, we don't even hold you until your asylum court date. Instead, we issue you a notice to appear. The majority of people who get that notice to appear show up because they recognize that if they show up for the first appointment, then there's, a, there's usually a second appointment. And then many of them don't show up for the second appointment. But now they are telling people, we're not even going to give you a notice to appear. You have to initiate the notice to appear. How many people do you think are going to initiate the notice to appear? How many people who disrespect America's immigration laws to the extent they just cross the border are going to come into the country and then say, you know what? I really didn't fill out that DMV form. I'm going to head on over and I'm going I'm I'm to I'm I'm set up a notice to appear. Sure. The source says the reasoning for the decision is that the situation has become so dire 
that Border Patrol has no choice but to release people nearly immediately after apprehension because there's no space to hold people even to do the necessary, not- necessary notice to appear paperwork. The process, of, uh, the process of issuing each migrant an NTA can take hours per individual or family. This would not apply to unaccompanied minors. Right now, the Rio Grande Valley is ground zero for the surge in border crossings. They're currently at more than 700% over capacity. Don't worry, guys. Everything is fine because Joe Biden says equity a lot and barely talks and stumbles downstairs. Everything is fine. He's a nice man. And because he's a nice man, we don't care whether he is good at his job or not. We don't care whether a crisis that was, it appears that it was essentially mitigated over the past couple of years because Trump said mean things about immigrants. This seems to be the, the, the main pitch. Okay, so let me ask you a question. If you have a choice between a president who says, we don't want you here, don't come, get out, which is language I'm not totally in love with, and we don't have a crisis at our border, and a president who says, we love you, come on in, and then we get a crisis at our border, we know what I care about from the president, not his feels. I care about the policy that he implements. If you're looking for feeling your feelings and a president of the United States, get a dog. In a second, we're going to be talking about President Biden's economic policy because we're about to blow out the U.S. dollar. But again, all of this is fine because he's a nice man. That's all that matters. First, let's talk about the fact that the post office, great place. You get a lot of stuff done there, but you really want to go there. Why wouldn't you just use all the amazing services of the post office, you know, like at your house or at your business? Let's face it. Taking trips to the post office is probably not how you want to spend your time. That's why I recommend mailing and shipping online at stamps.com. Stamps.com allows you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, ship packages, pay a lot less with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. With Stamps.com, you get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place, plus giant discounts on mailing and shipping rates. Here at Daily Wire, we've been using Stamps.com since 2017. No more wasting our time. Stamps.com brings the service of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS directly to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business. Whether you're a small office sending out invoices or an online seller shipping out orders or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. With Stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off post office rates, up to 62% off UPS shipping rates, not to mention... Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stop wasting time going to the post office. Go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With my promo code Shapiro, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in Shapiro. That is Stamps.com. Promo code Shapiro. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Alrighty. So meanwhile, inflation is on the move. According to Bloomberg.com, Columnist John Authors, let's make a big assumption. We really are in the process of not only a great shift toward reflation, but toward a new inflationary regime. What is this like? How can we tell? What does the future hold? If you want to argue for a new inflationary paradigm, there's plenty of evidence. This week's U.S. Purchasing Manager surveys found prices in both the manufacturing and services sector at their highest levels since the eve of the global financial crisis and rising fast. There have been good. These have been good leading indicators of inflation in the past. In other words, prices are going up radically, which is not a shock because people have a bunch more dollars that have been blown out by the federal government. By the way, you didn't need $2 trillion spent. The pandemic is ending. We all know that the pandemic is ending. In fact, we'll get to that in just a little while. Meanwhile, bond yields climbed sharply around the world while yield curves steepen. Bond yields increase when people don't want American bonds. People don't want American bonds because they're afraid they're going to get paid back in inflated dollars. In the U.S., the spread between two and 10-year yields is the widest in more than five years, barring only a few days after the election of Donald Trump in late 2016. Politicians strengthened traders' convictions. Wednesday's annual U.K. budget, which saw promise of even more aggressive spending, suggested that fiscal and monetary policy will at last act in unison. Within the stock market, banks extended their outperformance of technology stocks. Since the start of September, banks have outperformed by almost 50%. For four decades, inflation has stayed low and under control while bond yields have declined. Even with the sharp moves of the last few months, these trends remain intact. Many forces for deflation or disinflation also remain in place. Workplace automation continues, reducing prices and the bargaining power of labor. But what we could be looking at is a regime change in real time. We could be looking at a a massive inflation. Theodore White wrote a book called America in Search of Itself about the the situation in 1980. He said, inflation has no date of beginning. Inflation is the cancer of modern civilization, the leukemia of planning and hope. As with all cancers, no one can say when it begins or how fast it may spread. It's a disease of money. When money goes, order goes with it. Inflation comes when a government has made too many promises it cannot keep and papers over the shortfall with currency, which ultimately becomes confetti and faith is lost. Okay, and this is kind of what we are looking at right now. 
Inflation psychology is difficult to change, but last year might do the job. Okay, what we are looking at right now, again, is that inflation is going to pop. Okay, it is just going to happen. Lawrence Summers, the former Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton, he says this is the least responsible fiscal policy we have had in four decades, in 40 years, which would take you back to, count it, count it, the 70s. Right, it would take you back to essentially 1970, which is when inflation started to run out of control. By the end of the decade, you had serious stagflation in which the economy stagnated because demand started to decrease, but inflation continued to rise. I think this is the least responsible macroeconomic policies we've had in the last 40 years. I think fundamentally it's driven by intransigence on the Democratic left and intransigence and completely unreasonable behavior in the whole of the Republican Party that's driven us to the kind of political deals uh, that we're seeing. Okay, so I love that he somehow finds a way to blame the Republicans for a $2 trillion bill that was passed only by Democrats. That's pretty impressive stuff right there. Okay, the, Demo- the Republicans offered a deal right there. Look, Summers is a Democrat. So of course, he's going to try to find a way to blame the Republicans who have li- on this issue, zero power in Congress, none. All right, this thing was passed with like a vote from the Republicans in the House and none in the Senate. And yet somehow Summers is finding a way to blame the Republicans for it. This ain't about the Republicans. This is about Democrats blowing out the dollar because they wish to pay you with dollars that do not yet exist so they can make you more dependent on government. And then the answer from Democrats to every problem is more government. So when the economy fails in maybe three years, then you're going to see them claim that what we need is another bound of spending. We need another bout of spending. We need higher taxes. Okay, all of this is bad policy, and it's going to have ramifications. Now, think about fiscal policies. It takes a little while to materialize. Immigration policy materializes like that. The minute you say the border is open, people rush it. But inflation policy takes a couple of years to materialize, especially when you have an artificial depression that was created by COVID beginning to alleviate. And so that means that you're going to have high demand coming out of this depression. And then what you're going to see is high growth rates that are tamped down slightly by inflation, tamped down slightly by increase taxes. And then a couple of years down the road, when it turns out that we've blown so much air into the dollar, that the dollar is worth a lot less and people don't have savings, and then the demand crashes, then you're going to see a serious economic problem. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. It may not happen the following year. Probably by the time you hit 2024, you're going to be looking at a pretty serious economic downturn. Okay, but all of this is okay, because we're just rethinking the nature of the relationship between government and the American people. And the media are fully complicit in this because no matter what Joe Biden does, he is always just going to claim that everything is about equity. Again, recognize the gap between the policy, which is bad, and the, and the rhetoric, which is exactly what the media want to hear and what so many people want to hear these days, which is the government is going to solve all your problems. Joe Biden is here to tell you that the era of small government is over. Okay, the era of small government lasted basically from Reagan all the way probably until the beginning couple of years of Barack Obama. Even Obama in 2004 and even in 2008 used to talk about how the government was not there to solve all your problems. By 2012, he was saying the government is the only thing we share. So really, by by 2012, the era of small government was over when we were spending $4 trillion a year. But now, rhetorically speaking and overtly speaking, the era of small government is over. Joe Biden, the Democratic Party, they would love to completely rethink the nature of the relationship between government and the American people. Government is not only there to solve all of your personal problems. Government is there to solve all cosmic problems. And our media are fully complicit in this. They love this idea, which is why they are now turning over the keys to the car to grifters like Ibram X. Kendi. You have to understand how all this ties together. Ibram X. Kendi is the guy who says that racism just means stuff he disagrees with. Racism is any system that ends with inequality of outcome. Any system that ends with inequality of outcome is shot through with racism because otherwise you would be suggesting the inherent inequality of human beings. Now, here's the reality. Human beings make unequal decisions all the time. Human beings also have different qualities. Some of us are stupider. Some of us are smarter. Some of us are stronger. Some of us are weaker. Some of us are taller. Some of us are me, right? I mean, the reality is that we all have different qualities and those manifest in our behaviors and our decisions manifest in our behaviors and that creates differential outcome, even in a free and open system. And there are things that we can do to make sure that everybody has an easier shot at getting ahead. But the notion that you can pick and choose the winners and losers, that is in and of itself inequitable. It is unfair. But the left's version of inequitable is We can just see from the results that the system itself is broken. And therefore, Ibram X. Kendi gets to dictate to everyone how the system should work so as to achieve a completely equal outcome. Ibram X. Kendi is an ideological fascist. He has openly said that he wants a department of anti-racism inside the United States government answerable to no elected body of Americans that is 
created in order to strike down any law, regulation, or policy at the state, local, or federal level that does not achieve equality of outcome, which is just called the fascist regime. Now, Ibram X. Kennedy is being handed the keys to the car over at the Boston Globes. You already have the pseudo-historian and fiction writer, Nicole Hannah-Jones, heading up editorial coverage at the New York Times. Now, you have Ibram Kennedy, who is a grifter of extraordinary, extraordinary rank over at the Boston Globe. Ben Smith writes about this today. Ibram X. Kendi and Bina Venkataraman met last summer when their big Boston institutions, Boston University and the Boston Globe, were grappling with protests over racial justice. Ms. Venkataraman, the editor of the Boston Globe's editorial page, asked Dr. Kendi, Dr. Kendi, okay, again, Ibram Kendi, in the same way that Dr. Joe Biden will heal you with a junior college degree, Dr. Kendi, who has no medical degree, or really any degree of any worth in my view, he, uh, he, is going to, um, he is going to prescribe racial equity for, uh, for your heart attack. He's the author of a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist, which is an extremely racist book. Ben, Takara, ben Kataraman, I'm just going to keep screwing up this name, is going to ask Kendi why he decided to found the Center for Anti-Racist Research, which, by the way, is this giant catch-all for corporations to just sign a check, right? Twitter, Twitter's Jack Dorsey signed a $10 million check to, to Kendi's Center for Anti-Racist Research, which has generated to this point zero actual research. So far as I'm aware. Okay, so they, so the editor of the, the Globe's editorial page asked Kennedy why he decided to found the Center for Anti-Racist Research, Research in a city known for the backlash to busing and, quote, where sports fans boo athletes of color, as she recalled in an interview. They started talking about their shared obsession with different Boston history, 19th century abolitionist newspapers. Then they wondered what it would mean to found in 2021, a newspaper in the spirit of William Lloyd Garrison's legendary The Liberator. Well, I mean, what it might mean is that you want the races to be treated the same. Right? I mean, that's what the Liberator was about. Right? It was an anti it was an anti-slavery newspaper. I really doubt that William Lloyd Garrison was desperate to segregate the races and then treat them by race the way that Ibram Kendi wants that to happen. But in any case, the New York Times reports, Ben Smith, in particular, they wonder what would it mean to bring to American racism the same sense of urgency with which Garrison in 1831 started the newspaper, abandoning a more gradualist approach to slavery. Now, with the backing of their institutions and a seven-figure budget, millions of bucks, they plan later this year to start an online publication that blends reportage, opinion, and academic research, some of which will appear in The Globe. Look at that. They're just going to create a partnership where The Globe is taken over by Ibram Kendi. They hope to revive the tradition of a generation of media that predates the formal division of news and opinion in 20th century American journalism. Funny how it's fine when it's on the left. If we at The Daily Wire do it, by the way, right? We openly say we're a conservative publication a conservative news organization, then we get hit with fact-checked. But if Ibram Kendi takes over the editorial page of the Boston Globe or starts a new journalistic enterprise that blends news and opinion, that's totally cool and worth celebrating. They want to channel the energy that has produced a year of newsroom conversations and arguments about racism. Ms. Venkataraman said in an interview, if you don't have people agitating for urgent change, it becomes easy to just turn to other problems. And I think that's sort of an inspiring framework for thinking about why you need a publication or platform like this now, because you need to keep it on people's minds, the past, past the news cycle. This, of course, is not a simple project. The politics of the two venerable institutions means the new publication will be hiring two editors-in-chief, one with a more academic bent and one more journalistic, amid a national scramble for editorial talent. The founders said they'd have preliminary conversations with CBS's Wesley Lowry. Of course, they talked with Wesley Lowry. Lowry is the former Washington Post reporter who has basically argued in favor of the complete abolition of journalistic integrity. It's, it's really exciting stuff. The project has backing from the university and newspapers. So BU is going to be uh, spending money on it. And the Boston Globe is going to be spending money on it. And then there's the matter of the name. A Christian nonprofit already trademarked the Liberator. So they are looking at the Emancipator. How are they going to use the word racism? Should it be reserved for Nazis and Klansmen or, and used with extreme caution? Or should it be applied, as a new generation of writers have argued, to daily features of American injustice? Dr. Kendi has played a central role in the debate with his 2019 book. Dr. Kendi said, if there was ever a body of people who should be arguing out of the definition of a term, particularly a seemingly politically charged term like racism, why would it not be journalists? They should define the term based on evidence. So he just wants his newspaper, backed by the Boston Globe, to just say that anything is racist that Kendi declares is racist. Very exciting stuff. Really great. Self-promotion doesn't come naturally to Dr. Kendi, says Ben Smith. Oh, is that is that right? Dr. Kendi said he would not police how people use his work. People should be held accountable when they're being racist. But I think people should be able to repair the damage. I don't view racist as a fixed category. 
He added he does not believe if someone said something racist 20 years ago or even two days ago, right now, in this moment, they're also racist. That's a lie. It's just that he doesn't want to, he doesn't want this term applied to any of his friends. Okay, so our journalistic institutions taken over by wokery, the Biden administration driven by wokery, and the narratives converge. And so that means that all of this is secondary. Understand the job of Democrats in government is not to create more prosperity. The job of Democrats in government is not to create more safety. The job of Democrats in government is the quest for cosmic justice, as Thomas Sowell put it, to completely rethink the nature of individualism in America and meritocracy in America. And if they have to wreck the dollar in order to do so, that's okay. And if they have to wreck the border in order to do so, that's also okay. So long as you learn the lessons that you must be taught about social justice and group dynamics and the reality of America's institutionally racist institutions, everything can be torn down to the root. And meanwhile, Joe Biden will provide a happy face on it because he's the empath in chief. That's the game here. And we all know that's the game here. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about making your business better. If you're a business owner who's hiring, you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes to finding the right person for your role. That's why hiring can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along. That's why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with just one click. Then, ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. It's no wonder over 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So, while other companies overwhelm you with way too many options, ZipRecruiter will find you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. Again, it is deeply important that you as a company Run your business efficiently, and that means finding the best employees. If you're a prospective employee, you need to find the best companies. ZipRecruiter makes the magic happen right now. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Once again, remember, head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. All right, we're going to get to much, much more because we have a lot more to talk about. It's a long weekend. We'll get to more of that in just one second. First, a reminder. You should go over to dailywire.com right now and you should subscribe. Candace Owens' brand new show just came out on Friday. It is a massive hit. It is charting. Segments of it are just charting as a podcast over at iTunes, but people are loving it. It's blowing up. I mean, the number of people who are watching Candace's show is truly astonishing. You can only get the full show behind the paywall. So you need to go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and use promo code Candace for 25% off. And let me tell you, when you subscribe, you get so much good stuff. I mean, all the stuff that we are doing now, you've got all access, which means that you get to talk to all of our hosts. Right. Every night you will be talking to one of the hosts over at dailywire.com. Hang out with me, hang out with Walsh, hang out with Clavin, hang out with Knowles, hang out with Candace. Hey, I mean, like hang out with Jeremy, like all of us. Also, you get our movie Run Hide Fight. We have brand new entertainment stuff that's coming into the pipeline as we speak. It's really exciting and really cool. You're gonna want to be able to see all of that. We are fighting back against Hollywood. We have a lot of new projects that are coming up. Our Reader's Pass program allows you to see all of our articles without actually having to, without having to view the ads or anything like that. We have all sorts of amazing stuff happening at dailywire.com. Plus, of course, you get the second hour of this show. There's all sorts of amazing stuff. So make sure that you head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. Use promo code Candace again, because Candace's show just launched. You get 25% off. It's an amazing deal. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So the goal for so much of today's American left, Democratic Party, the mainstream media, their goal is to completely ignore individual liberty, ignore individual rights, and to remake the country how they wish it were, right? Results-oriented. That's all that matters. But not results as in additional prosperity for everybody. Results as in equity. Results as in dignity. And by dignity, what they mean is forcing you to cheerlead for everybody else's self-identification, no matter how ridiculous. And freedom, freedom to identify however you want without any consequences for the decisions you make. And this means twisting every narrative. Every narrative must be twisted. This is how a white guy shooting up a bunch of Asian massage parlors because according to him, he is a sex addict. This is the best available evidence at this point. The feds are investigating also. No evidence as of yet that this is a quote unquote hate crime that was specifically designed at targeting Asians or that had anything to do with Trump or that had anything to do with the Chinese virus or anything like that. And the media have decided what the narrative is. And the narrative is that this is indicative of deeper American racism because when you are attempting to remake the world every single piece of data must either be ignored or transmuted into a weapon for tearing down the existing system. This is how you end up with the narrative. This is the narrative. But if you ask, if you polled Americans right now, do you think what happened in Atlanta was a hate crime? I guarantee you the vast majority will say yes, despite the fact that there is no evidence at this point it was a hate crime. 
It may have been a hate crime, but you don't know that. And I don't know that. And all that matters is that the media certainly don't know that. And they are lying to you about how they do know that. So, for example, you have Nancy Grace saying about Atlanta, it was a hate crime against women, sex workers and Asians. Okay, how about this? How about every single crime is a crime of hate in some way? But you have no evidence that this was specifically designed to target Asian people, certainly not on the back of what the left has said, that this is about a wide anti-Asian upsurge among right-wingers. Okay, the, the reality is that the vast majority of upswing against uh, violent crime against Asian Americans is happening in major cities, not dominated by right-wingers. And according to anecdotal reports, disproportionately from, other, from members of the black community, unfortunately. Anyway, here's Nancy Grace trying to push that narrative. I think that most of these women, I mean, Jesse, let's get real. You think these women want to work in a massage parlor, turning sex acts in a back room with baby lotion heated up on the side of the bed? No, that's not what they want. A lot of them can't even speak English. They can't make a better living. They're kind of forced socioeconomically into this. Now they're shot dead. Uh, this is a hate crime for sure against women, against sex workers, against Asians. Okay, again, the, the broader narrative that it's about Asian Americans and that this shooting was about that, it may very well have been. But let's be real about this. When it comes to the Democratic Party, certain types of racism against Asians are completely okay. It is only in the aftermath of this particular shooting, by the way, when the Democrats are trying to say that they are against anti-Asian hate, that they've decided, oh, it's a little inconvenient to have members of, of, the, of the publicly elected sector who openly hate Asians. So San Francisco officials, according to the Daily Wire, including Mayor London Breed, are now calling on the vice president of the San Francisco School Board, Allison Collins, to resign after tweets emerged showing her, quote unquote, anti-Asian bias. The shocking tweets show Collins accusing Asians of adopting, quote, white supremacist ideology and of working to become model minorities in order to take advantage of a white supremacist system that she claims is typically biased against people of color. Now, let's be real about this. This is something that is a mainstream thought on the left. Many people on the left do not consider Asian Americans to be a minority in the United States and therefore subjected to hate because they are the most successful subgroup of Americans in terms of, of household income. And that is because there's extraordinary cultural value placed on hard work and working toward testing. And this has been ingrained for, for centuries in particular cultures, according to Wesley Yang. Okay, so the, the insanity of declaring that Asians are basically white because they decided to take advantage of the white supremacist systems of the United States to succeed. All that is is just a again, a reinforcement of the notion that America's systems are inherently racist. So America's systems are inherently racist when Asian Americans succeed, and America's systems are also inherently racist when Asian Americans are disproportionately targeted on the streets. Amazing how no matter what the, no matter what the antecedent, no matter what the predicate, the conclusion is always the same. America is systemically racist. And this allows you to engage in the sort of remaking of the world that the left really wants. So in Evanston, Illinois, according to Reuters, there's a Chicago suburb that now is going to pay reparations to black Americans. Evanston's initial approach to reparations is narrow and targeted. The city council, which has already committed $10 million over a decade to the effort, will vote on Monday to begin with a $400,000 round of payments. The first phase will provide $25,000 to a small number of eligible black residents for home repairs, down payments or mortgage payments, and a nod toward historically racist housing policies. Now, do they have to prove that these people were actually victimized by the racist housing policies? Because some of these people, I'm sure, are very young. Some of these people are probably born in 2000. Right. At which point segregation in the United States had been federally illegal for 35 years. In Congress, a bill that would establish a national reparations commission to study the issue has drawn 170 co-sponsors in the House of Representatives. Other cities, including Chicago, Providence, Rhode Island, Burlington, Vermont, Asheville and Amherst, Massachusetts, have launched initiatives. California passed a bill modeled after the federal legislation. New York and Maryland are introducing similar measures. The practicality of implementing reparations programs is still a matter of debate. Well, first of all, how about the legality of saying that you get money if you are of a particular race? This is precisely the opposite of equal opportunity based on race. Treating people as individuals requires that you don't look at their melanin level and then make financial decisions as a government based on that. And yet that is precisely what these governments are now doing. In Evanston, black residents are eligible for the housing program if they or their ancestors lived in the city between 1919 and 1969 or if they can show they suffered housing discrimination due to the city's policies. The recipients will be randomly selected if there are more applicants than available funds in the housing program. Okay, some people are saying it's inadequate. Some people are saying it's not going to be, and it will never be enough. Right? No matter what the reparations program is that is adopted, on both a moral level and a fiscal level, it's not going to be enough. Because if you say give everybody $100,000, people are going to say for 400 years of slavery, how can $100,000 pay for that? It'll just turn into a permanent government check signing program, which is of course on the basis of race, which is precisely the reverse of what federal law allows. But this is the remaking of America. 
in real time on the basis of equity rhetoric. That is essentially unfair. That is the goal. And if you don't go along with it, you will be cudgeled. If you refuse to go along with this stuff, you will be cudgeled. The media will simply lie to you. Okay, when I talk about the cudgeling, let's talk about the cudgeling for a moment. So over the weekend, in what has to be the most amusing turn, the you remember that Alexi McCammon was going to be the editor of, of Teen Vogue, that great prestigious publication, Teen Vogue. Not just Vogue, Teen Vogue. Well, now it turns out that one of the people who backed Alexi McCammon's ouster, a senior Teen Vogue, Teen Vogue staffer, Alexi McCammon was thrown out because Alexi McCammon, when she was 17, wrote anti-Asian tweets. That was a decade ago. Now, a senior Teen Vogue staffer who backed Alexi McCammon being fired, it turns out that this lady wrote a bunch of tweets back in 2009, 2010 using the N-word. Christine David, senior social manager at Teen Vogue in 2009, wrote two tweets to a friend identifying him as a N-I-G-G-A and in 2010 used that word in a joke tweet. The friend appears to be white. Davis, David says in multiple tweets she is of mixed Irish and Filipino heritage. So not a black person. So you don't get to use these sorts of terms, right? McCammon, 27, and a rising reporter at Axios have been set to take the top job at Teen Vogue before her past tweets set off a firestorm among Teen Vogue staff. After the Atlanta shooting left Asian Americans dead, McCammon and Teen Vogue parted ways. Neither David nor McCammon or Teen Vogue could immediately be reached for comment. David on March 8th posted a letter on Instagram from Teen Vogue staff expressing concern to Condon asked about hiring McCammon, quote, in light of her past racist and homophobic tweets. So proud of my Teen Vogue colleagues. The work continues, David wrote in the caption. Okay, so here's the funny part. Okay, after Alexi McCammon got fired, and many of us on the right have defended many people on the left from firing and people on the right from firing because it turns out that a culture in which you can just uncover anybody's old tweets and then use it to wreck their career is an ugly and gross culture. It's not about purity. It's not about making the world better. Now, the left is getting upset at cancel culture. Now the left is getting upset. Why? Because they like Alexi McCammond because Alexi McCammond is on the left. So Brian Stelter, who has been openly leading a charge to get Fox News thrown off the air by its distributors. Now he's like, you know what? I don't like this purity culture anymore. Oh, you don't, Brian. Oh, strange. So you're all for the purity culture when it comes for people you don't like. But when it comes for people you do like, then all of a sudden you're upset with the purity culture. Strange how this works on the left. No one wins in the purity wars. No one wins. Of course, no one I know would excuse racist tweets. And almost everyone agrees that we should strive for a more just, equal society. But these internal office battles zap energy away from the real struggle. I mean, no offense to McCammond, but her name should not be on the tips of the media world's tongues. Not for something she did at age 17. So ultimately, Condé Nast failed her. Now, the real struggle here, the real struggle is getting Fox News tossed off the air. That's the real struggle, of course. Making sure that everybody that Brian Stelter personally does not like is canceled and making sure that everybody that he does like is defended. I happen to agree with him about Alexi McCammon. But the point is this. He doesn't agree with him about Alexi McCammon. Right? He just doesn't like the fact that one of his friends, somebody that he's apparently friendly with or somebody who he agrees with, just got ousted from her job. And here's the thing. The cancellations will continue until the morale improves. All the, it's funny. Folks on the right, we have real trouble understanding the left because we keep looking for the through line. Why is it that Alexi McCammon can get fired, but this Davit lady probably will not be fired from Teen Vogue? Why is it? That Gina Carano can get fired for putting up uh, a meme that included a picture from the Holocaust, but Pedro Pascal puts up a, a picture from the Holocaust comparing American immigration policy to the Holocaust based on a picture that was not even from America. And he's fine. Why? Where's the through line? And the answer is there is no through line. It is all about pure use of power. It is all about pure authoritarian use of power. So, for example, I don't see Brian Stelter coming out and defending Sharon Osbourne. Right? Sharon Osbourne committed the grave sin of having said that she is friends with Piers Morgan. You're not allowed to do that. Because Piers Morgan said he didn't believe Meghan Markle. And you're certainly not allowed to do that because Meghan Markle is now, she's been sainted. They're actually, going to, they're actually going to build shrines to Meghan Markle now. So Piers Morgan said he didn't believe Meghan Markle. By the way, for the record, neither do I on the vast majority of what she said. I'm, I, I'm in no position to doubt her personal feelings about suicide. But I don't believe that she was deeply victimized by Buckingham Palace. I don't think that's a reality. I think that she is on the make, as demonstrated by that interview with Oprah, because she's not a very good actress. Piers Morgan said that. Then Sharon Osbourne said, I'm friends with Piers Morgan and he's not a racist. And now she's going to get thrown off the talk. And Tiffany Cross goes after her. So over the weekend, Tiffany Cross on MSNBC 
starts talking about how evil Sharon Osbourne is. A message to the bigoty Brit Sharon Osbourne. After this read, maybe you should go read because there are numerous books which greatly detail how some of your ancestors colonized, raped, and pillaged many parts of this globe. And like you told Cheryl, don't cry. We toast those tears and continue to do the work that benefits all people in this country, even those who don't always deserve it. So cheerio, old chap, and you're welcome. So, so dismissive, so derisive, so sneering. But remember, she's of the woke, so she can say whatever she wants. Now, if it turns out she tweeted something bad in the past, she'll be defended because all of this is just a power game. It is all a power game all the time. And when we speak of power games, it's important to note how the media twist every story into, into this power dynamic. Every story fits within this particular box. How does it fit into the narrative of equity? And, and, and how do we avoid, by the way, reporting the real story in order to fit the narrative of equity? Everything is, is it, it's agenda uber Alice. It's agenda, 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 narrative, na- narrative and agenda. That's all that matters here. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, financial experts thought we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts from the Fed, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The U.S. is in the hole by $34 trillion, but we're going to continue to print money and borrow money, which means the prices that you pay every day are going to continue to rise. So we can either bury our heads in the sand or we could, you know, do the smart thing that you do financially, which is diversify. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. I get my gold from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you too. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, again, diversification, just a smart fiscal strategy. Go check them out right now. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. Which is why you saw over the weekend a wide variety of articles about the evils going on in Miami Beach. You saw a bunch of stories about Miami Beach. They're shutting it down because they're afraid of the COVID. They're afraid of the virus. Now, here's the thing. We've been hearing about Death Santis for literally months at this point, like six, seven, eight months, going all the way back to the summer. Death Santis, Ron DeSantis, happens to be the best governor in America for the challenges he faced considering Florida is super old and it ranks somewhere in the middle of the pack, like near California in terms of deaths per million. And all of the stories about how Tampa was going to be the center of a hotspot. Tampa was going to be just a a COVID hotspot. It was a disaster. It never happened. The beaches at Jacksonville is going to be a COVID. Never happened. Spring break. It's going to be a COVID. Never happened. So what was the real story here? So the media didn't even get the story right now. They've, they're not just getting the angle wrong. They're just getting the story completely wrong. So the, the story that you have heard over the weekend is that there is a panic in Florida because of COVID and that Miami Beach had to shut down because of the COVID risks. That is not why Miami Beach shut down. The reason that Miami Beach is shutting down is because people are committing crimes. There's open fist fights in the streets of Miami Beach. Okay, we are talking about people running, running up bar tabs of $2,000 and then just running out, like just taking off. Okay, and it just so happens, by the way, that these are not spring breakers who are down from university. This is people who are out partying. End of story. Those people happen to be, according to the Miami Herald, disproportionately black. According to the, uh, according to the Miami Herald, Martin Vassallo reporting, after weeks of uninhibited partying on South Beach by spring breakers, police turned away throngs of people, many of them black, from world-famous Ocean Drive with a SWAT truck, pepper balls, and sound cannons. The tactics were intended to enforce an 8 p.m. curfew announced only hours earlier on Saturday to rid the city of what police and politicians have described as unruly and sometimes violent late night crowds. The tactics appeared to have the desired effect, but the use of force to clear out people of color from South Beach alarmed some black leaders. If Miami Beach has openly recoiled at the behavior of the at times chaotic crowds filling the city's entertainment district every weekend, not just this weekend, every weekend. Some in South Florida are having a similar reaction to the way the city and its police have handled the presence of thousands of people of color. Okay, so what's the actual story? There are a lot of people of color in South Beach, according to the Miami Herald, and they're engaging in criminal activity resulting in a thousand arrests. By the way, there's plenty of tape that is not being shown in the mainstream media. The mainstream media is showing tapes of people milling around. They're like, this is the real threat, people milling around. That's not why they put a curfew on. They put a curfew on because I've seen tape. People are at intersections twerking on the streets and having fist fights. Like, that's that's why they put a curfew on. <laughs> and yet the media won't tell you that. They'll tell you about DeSantis. It's not about DeSantis. 
What the hell are you talking about? You're, you're just lying about the situation there. Videos on social media showed Miami Beach police arriving on Ocean Drive Saturday evening to find a massive crowd still on the street after the curfew kicked in. Okay, th this is, again, you can see all the videos. Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelber said the curfew and causeway closing announced at 4 p.m. Saturday were aimed to prevent violence and disorder. He described the city as a powder keg ready to blow. Residents cheered the crackdown, some saying they're afraid to leave their homes. Okay, so um, this is not, I'm sorry, this is not about COVID. But if you read the headlines, it's about COVID. Okay, nowhere do the police even cite COVID as a risk. And yet the idea is that it's, it's about COVID. This is ridiculous. I'm sorry, it's not. Here's the headline over at Drudge, the top headline right now. And from the Daily Beast, South Beach overrun by maskless hordes. Yeah, that's the big problem is they're not wearing masks. Not the fact they're beating the crap out of each other and engaging in criminal activity in Miami Beach. The problem is they're not wearing masks. It's absurd. It's just absurd. But again, it has to fit into the, it has to fit into the narrative. And what's the narrative? The narrative is that black people are being cracked down on by the police and simultaneously, unrelated, COVID's a real threat. So they want the two stories simultaneously now. The, the, the police are being mean to black Americans, according to the Miami Herald, at a time when the country is undergoing a racial reckoning. The optics of police officers grappling with crowds and city leaders condemning a largely black group of visitors has been unavoidable. Daniela Pierre, president of the NAACP's Miami-Dade chapter, tweeted spring breaking while black on Saturday night. She later added unacceptable to say the least. Okay, so again, the, the problem, of course, is that, so two simultaneous problems. One, it's, it's all DeSantis, because look at these maskless people. And two, it's the evil police. At no point can you say, oh yeah, maybe there are a bunch of people engaged in criminal activity in downtown and that's requiring the police to go in. Because that would cut against the exact narrative that they're trying to fight against. Which, by the way, ties into the broader narrative here about COVID. So they continue to try to panic you about COVID. They just continue to try and panic you about COVID. This is the, this is the other narrative. Democrats are going to continue to push the COVID narrative because every crisis is an opportunity. Okay, well, let's just be real about this. We are at the end. Okay, we're reaching the end of the pandemic. Every person knows it. It's why you've seen a great opening up. There are more and more solutions being presented every day. According to the Jerusalem Post, an Israeli company is now claiming an oral COVID-19 vaccine is on the way. Apparently, they're launching a phase one clinical trial for what could become the world's first oral COVID-19 vaccine. This is Oramed Pharmaceuticals, a clinical stage pharmaceutical company based on tech developed by Hadassah University Medical Center. They announced over the weekend a joint venture with Primus Biotech to develop a novel oral vaccine. Apparently, they can use this to orally administer a number of protein-based therapies, which would otherwise be delivered by injection. That's pretty amazing. Nadav Kidron, who's the CEO, said that they could revolutionize the marketplace by uniting. He said an oral vaccine could become even more valuable in the case that a COVID-19 vaccine may be recommended annually like the standard flu shot. Instead, you just pop a pill. It can be shipped at refrigerator temperatures. Okay, so we have more and more solutions every day. Our great experts are saying there's no fourth wave. Remember, they keep saying that the COVID stuff is the reason why we have to be worried about what's happening in Miami Beach when that's really not the story at all. Here's Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner, widely respected in bipartisan circles, saying there's not going to be a fourth wave. Well, I don't think we're going to have a fourth wave. I think what we're seeing around the country is parts of the country that are plateauing. We're seeing upticks in certain parts of the country. I think the fact that we have so much prior infection, 120 million Americans have been infected with this virus. The fact that we've now vaccinated, we've gotten one shot in at least 70 million Americans. Even if you account for the fact that maybe about 30% of the people being vaccinated previously had COVID, we're talking about some form of protective immunity in about 55% of the population. So there's enough of a backstop here that I don't think you're going to see a fourth Surge. Okay, not only does he say that, Dr. Ashish Jha, who's a, again a person from the left side of the aisle from Brown University, he says there's not going to be a fourth wave. We're not going to have a major fourth surge. Uh, but what we are looking towards and what looks like is about to happen is we are going to see a significant bump in cases in a bunch of states. Uh, and that means more infections, more hospitalizations, more deaths. The reason I'm uh, pretty confident we're going to avoid what is happening in Europe is twofold. Uh, one is uh, we vaccinated a lot more people. And second is that we vaccinated a lot of our highest people. Yes, correct. OK, so and by the way, the vaccinations, eh, shut them up. The, the, the vaccinations are, are not going to be irrelevant here. And yet that is the line from the Biden administration. So you still have Dr. Fauci out there telling Rand Paul, you got to mask up. A year ago, this is a direct quote from Fauci. Quote, 
I'm confident this virus acts like every other. Once you get infected, get better, clear the virus, you'll have immunity that will protect you against reinfection. I'd be willing to bet anything people who recover are really protected against reinfection. He said that last year. But the narrative from the Biden administration is this is going to continue. It's why we need bailouts. It's why we need to blow out the dollar. It's why you need to wear a mask until the end of time. This is why you have Dr. Monsef Slaoui, who's the head of Operation Warp Speed out there saying, yeah, you know, we should probably still be wearing masks. If you're vaccinated and you are four weeks after your first vaccination, two weeks after your last vaccination, you are good to go. Okay, you don't need to wear a mask anymore. Dr. Mari Makari, Johns Hopkins University. Because you now have immunity. The studies demonstrate you have immunity. But the narrative has to be that Republicans are evil for saying you should take off the mask. We need people to be scared. The Democrats need people to continue being scared to justify all of the crap that they are attempting right now fiscally. So here we have Dr. Slaoui saying we should still wear masks. As long as the herd immunity levels have not yet been attained, that people who have been vaccinated should continue wearing a mask when in public and in crowded areas, because what we don't know yet is whether the vaccine prevents replication of the virus. It's an act of, frankly, you know, civility, I would say, vis-a-vis the people around us who have not yet been vaccinated. Okay, we know that people are not transmitting the virus at like 90% of the rate once they are vaccinated. Those studies are out already in Israel. They can't cite a single study suggesting widespread spread of the virus after vaccination, but they're still pushing the mask wearing. Why? Because again, the goal is to categorize everybody who's a political opponent as an enemy of science. You got Joe Biden out there saying that he's a friend of the science. Incredible. It's incredible. They've pushed a bunch. He's wearing a mask. He's fully vaccinated. He's fully vaccinated and he's wearing the mask and he's saying mask up. Hey, I'm sorry. This is dumb. It, it, like it really is at this point here. And, and you're not encouraging people to get the vaccine. You're telling people they have to continue wearing the vaccine forever. And uh, here, here's Joe Biden. The one thing that I, the reason I am so, so happy to have been able to, anyway, to have Doc here, is that science is back. Mm. No, all kidding aside, think about it. For the longest time, not just, not just as at least the CDC, but science, science was viewed as, as, as sort of an appendage to anything else we were talking about. Mm -hmm. But it's back. No, what, what the hell are you talking about? What are you? Okay, the, the science is background is the most anti-scientific. It's, they're just anti-science. I mean, they really are. Like, for example, MSNBC's Joy Reid. So she says that Rand Paul won't wear a mask because he wants to spread disease like Columbus. I mean, if you just want the garbage you take, go straight to Joy Reid. He wants to be able to be free to spread COVID. Because remember, he had COVID and showed yeah. up in the gym, in the Capitol gym, and felt like he should be able to be unmasked and spread it. There is right. almost sort of a, a Christopher Columbus era attitude toward COVID, right? If we got COVID, you get COVID. If I got COVID, I'm coming in your store. I'm going to breathe on you and cough on yeah. you. If you don't like it, you better take off your mask and take it. There's this attitude that they feel they have the right to spread COVID or that they're enthusiastic about spreading COVID. Okay, this is, I'm sorry. That's so anti-scientific and insane. It's beyond, it's beyond crazy. It's beyond crazy. Once you've had COVID, you ain't spreading it. Once you're vaccinated, you ain't. What, what do you think the point of a vaccine is, you morons? My goodness. And then I love that she, so she gets the science wrong and the history wrong. The idea is that Christopher Columbus, before the, the knowledge of germ theory, came to the new world deliberately to breathe on the natives. And that's just what Rand Paul is doing now, except that Rand Paul's immune and Rand Paul isn't infecting anybody. But don't worry, guys, it's all part of the narrative. And the narrative is America is terrible, America is awful, and you need the government to save you from ongoing crises that aren't crises at all. Because they're empathetic, guys. They're empathetic. Whew. Well, you know what that empathy is going to cost you? It's going to cost you in the pocketbook. It's going to cost you in freedom. And they don't give a damn about you. Why would you think that politicians care about you? Are you a moron? Politicians don't give two craps about you. Politicians are people who get elected to take your money and then spend it on crap that they want to do in order to get themselves paid. That's what politicians are. There's a reason people say that politics is the world's second oldest profession. Okay, it's, and bears significant resemblance to the first. The, the bizarre nature of Americans who have decided that politicians are their friends, uh, it's, it shows the death of community, shows the death of religion, and shows the death of family, that's for sure. If you're looking to these people for your empathy and for your comfort and for taking care of you, Man, there's some holes in your life that ain't going to be filled by slow old Joe Biden stumbling down a bunch of airplane steps. My goodness. All righty. Well, we'll be back here a little bit later today with additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out the Michael Knowles Show. That is available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show.
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Joe Biden can't walk upstairs. The White House admits there's a crisis on the border. And Republican Governor Kristi Noem goes weak on transgenderism. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Gear up for the great outdoors with Forlow, the brand that's revolutionizing outdoor apparel. Forlow's non-compromised, 100% American-made outdoor apparel protects your body from the elements so that your mind stays focused on the hunt, on the water, or on the trail. Your adventure starts with a solid foundation, which is why Forlow's base layer is designed to provide the comfort and insulation you need to keep going when the temperatures drop. Their uniquely breathable down layer ensures that you stay warm without overheating. And since proper protection goes beyond insulation, the final layer, a waterproof shield, completes the system. From UPF sunblocking material that shields you from harmful rays to polygene technology that masks your scent, Forlow's innovative designs and cutting-edge material ensures that you can focus on the adventure, not the elements. Their commitment to innovation and American craftsmanship will carry you beyond the known and into the unknown where the journey truly begins. Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DAILYWIRE for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com, code DAILYWIRE.